Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to episode 7 of Two Parkinson a Pod. Two blokes have had Parkinson's more than 20 years between them. Chatting about the world of Parkinson's. Kieran, I've got to say, first of all, you're looking very, very well. <laughs> Why, thank you, David. Um, yeah, I've been sleeping a lot better um, sort of since our last episode, uh, episode 6 on, on sleep tips. And I've been putting uh, those things into practice. Um, what in particular? Well, no, no, no single thing. I mean, it's just a, co- a combination of things. You know, we talked about sleep hygiene before and getting into a routine and uh, less screen time. I've I found helps turning off notifications on my phone, which seems to be buzzing all the time, has really helped. Um, doing a bit of med- meditation, um, a bit of daytime napping, cutting down on sugar. Coffee, coffee is a big culprit for me for for, for bad sleep. So I've, I've I've cut it out completely now. I've, or I've gone back to tea rather. And uh, yoga. Um, I've, I've signed up for um, Dawn's uh, yoga. Dawn, we mentioned, uh, well, she was on the episode, uh, the exercise and yoga episode, and uh, I since signed up for her classes. And uh, yoga is great. It's like, it's just, it's almost like it was designed for Parkinson's. You know, it just helps with all the sort of motor and non motor symptoms. And I think it's probably helped me with my sleep as well. Well, it's funny she mentioned Dawn and yoga because she, she loves you. She, she's, she's absolutely. <laughs> She's absolutely mad on your bendiness. Have a listen to this. This is, this is from her class the other day. Keep it small, Koo, and see if it helps oh. to keep it small because you're quite bendy, aren't you? Yeah, because you're very bendy. Yeah. Bendy, bendy, Kuhn. <laughs> that tickled you, didn't it? Big time. <laughs> I've never been called bendy before. I've been uh, called similar, but not bendy. She's a brilliant teacher. Great, She's great, great manner fantastic, about it. Yeah, really yeah. In fact, another shout out, Dawn Williams yoga.co.uk I think it is and uh, it's online and um, in the show notes as well we'll, we'll yeah, put a link to her yeah. again because it's brilliant. nice because she's had a few few people sign up off the back of the podcast so that, which is which is nice and has tennis helped as well because you, you got a secret weapon the other day I noticed you having tennis lessons with, yeah. with Maria the Ma- Greek tennis coach yeah I, I found a, a tennis coach I thought I'd you know desperate times desperate measures so I decided you got, to you got some... a hell of a meeting last time didn't you felt that's basic well I yeah, I've been on a bit of a losing streak, yeah, and I've I've, I've tried to do something about it and um, had a lesson one one to one with Maria, and um, the other day um, we both had a lesson from her, right? Yeah, she's so enthusiastic and such a good coach. I'll tell you, surrounding people with people with energy is is great. She she sort of transfers her energy onto us, doesn't she? Yeah, I don't know if it's that Mediterranean thing or what, but she's smiley and happy and positive, and I love the way you, when you do a good shot, she's like, "Oh, bravo, David, bravo!" <laughs> it's she's just got one of those personalities. Fantastic, it's really been fun. Um, that's great, but all those things cost money, don't they? And uh, you know. When you when you stop work, you need help, and there is help out there, Kieran. Yeah, there is, and that, that's the subject of our podcast today: the sort of counting the cost of Parkinson's. And uh, you and I, sort of in a similar situation, that we, we retired from work probably prematurely uh, because of our c- conditions. And uh, it happens to a lot of people. On average, people leave work five years after diagnosis, and that cuts short their income, obviously. And um, at the same time, sort of their, their cost of living and cost of care, uh, cost of managing their condition goes up. Well, I've been looking at some research recently. UCL, Professor Annette Schrag, a brilliant study where they're co- counting the cost of Parkinson's. They reckon £25,000 a year. That, that's in lost income in terms of medication, in terms of extra things you need like physio and all those sort of things you buy, plus, uh, plus uh, benefits as well if you've gone to benefits. 
£25,000 a year. It's a lot of money. Yeah, I read the same one from from from, uh, from Annette. It's a very detailed uh, study. Uh, there's an equivalent one with from Parkinson's UK, which put the figure at 17000 so it's 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 it is a lot of money. If you if you total that up against one hundred and forty five thousand people in the UK, that puts the annual cost of Parkinson's to this country at between two and three billion uh, pounds, which is quite incredible if you think about it. And Michael J. Fox Foundation have done an equivalent study, and they put the figure in the US at fifty two billion dollars, which is quite wow. incredible. Yeah, if you if you total it up for the entire world, I worked out very roughly, it comes to about a quarter of a trillion dollars the cost of Parkinson's. It's quite incredible. It's it's equivalent to the GDP of a country like the size of Ireland. So it kind of puts it in perspective and I got me thinking like if you if we can't make an argument for the cure curing Parkinson's through the sort of emotional and human need to to cure it, then if nothing else, we can make the case by, by the financial means because it's such a burden to society. Huge. We're, we're not a burden to society, are we, Big Sam? We, I hope not. We, people with Parkinson's do amazing things we'll be talking about a little bit, a bit later on. But giving up work is, is a big thing, isn't it? I, I, you mentioned that three to five years is, is how long people tend to hold down a full-time job with Parkinson's, normally five years. And I managed 10 years of doing live sport, which I'm, I'm very proud of. Mm. But, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was stressful at times. And the, the more stressed you are, the worse your symptoms get. Sometimes it's, you've, you've got to walk away from it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, it was um, about eight, eight years or so. And uh, I think I probably could have continued. But, I mean, partly, I mean, it was just taking a lot from me. And um, I just, you know, was at a point where I wanted to do something different. And fortunately... You know, I, I I kind of had the means to to do that. Not everybody's in that situation, and uh, people go from being sort of givers in terms of the, the tax they pay on on their income to to takers, as it were. I don't mean that in negative sense, but they rely on the state, and, and, and in this country, they rely on on, on benefits uh, to help them to help them keep going. It's a big decision to pack in work, and John McPhee went through exactly that. Hello, everyone. Dave has asked me to say a few wise words that's a challenge in itself, about finishing work early. And I don't think he meant knocking off at quarter to five instead of five o'clock. I'm sure what he meant was stopping work, in my case, in my mid-40s. Here's how I fitted my own personal jigsaw together in order to make this happen. Your pieces will be different, but some will be pretty close to mine. And I think the thought process for everyone will be similar. Can I afford to do it? Is it the right thing for me to do? Will reducing my workload help? Will it reduce my stress? Will it reduce my symptoms? Will it increase stress by being at home too much? Brutal honesty is required from you, your family, your workplace, and especially your spouse, because they are in it just as much as you are. The first question we had was financial. Could we make it work? And I guess what we had to do was examine where the pots of money might come from. For me, that meant two different places. My workplace pension, which I was luckily able to access straight away, and also state benefits. The two main state benefits you'll come across are Employment Support Allowance, ESA, and also Personal Independence Payment, PIP, or PIP. My advice when facing assessment for either of these would be to be honest with the assessor. And really, we're always in a position of trying to be confident and saying, here's what I can still do, despite my Parkinson's. The assessment is not the time for bravado. The assessment is time for sheer honesty. If you wake up in the morning with dystonia and you can't walk, you can't walk. And you need to tell your assessor that. 
If you can't lift a box because your arm is shaking too much, they need to know that too. If you can't, whatever you can't do, you need to let them know. You also need to be confident that you know yourself that you're entitled to these benefits. You have to be fair to yourself. You need to make sure you've got the right information, the right jigsaw puzzle pieces in place so that when you're making the decision, you're making it from an informed point of view with the whole picture available to you. Just a snapshot isn't enough. This could change your life. It's changed mine and I hope if you want to, it will change yours too. Thanks for listening. This has been the ramblings of John McPhee for Dave Clark's podcast. Cheers, John. Really, really fascinating. I, I, I like the way he calls it your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so someone else, uh, I, was met, I met someone else the other day for the first time, and he's like, oh, you're the guy on Dave's podcast. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, More about me, less about yeah. you. Perfect. <laughs> In fact, somebody else asked me the other day how, how the podcast came together. Maybe I should tell that story. Yeah. Dave and I sort of live in the same part of London and um, we, we sort of connected through uh, social media and uh, we were just chatting one day in the pub and um, as we do, talking about Parkinson's and football and anything, anything and everything really and we thought just it'd be one day it'd be just nice to just record this conversation and put it out there and yeah. see if it helps others and um, I, I, I hope it does, you know, just talking from the... From our perspective and uh, how we see things. When people wake up from the sleep when they're listening to us, yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've been looking at the stats here about, about PIP. Just explain what PIP is, because PIP is personal independence payments. and It's, it's helped working age adults with the cost of living. If you've got a health condition or a disability, your income savings and whether or not you, how much you've got in the bank, whatever, it doesn't affect it. It's, it's tax-free money and it's, it's quite a bit of money as well. It is, yeah. It's, so it's not means-based. It doesn't matter if you're employed, unemployed. It doesn't matter if you've got savings or, or not. If you're under uh, state pension age, you're entitled for PIP with, with, with Parkinson's and that's a very important point. Personal independence payment, it's anything up to 600 and 665. £665 yeah. a month, yeah. So it's about... Uh, £8,000 a a year, so it's not an insignificant amount of money. It is designed to reflect that additional cost of living with a condition like this. So additional healthcare costs, additional social care costs. Um, Physio, your meds, anything? Yeah, anything really. There is an equivalent of PIP for people that are over state pensionable age, which is uh, attendance allowance. It's not quite as generous as PIP. Um, and I've been looking at some of the data on this. It's quite surprising how many people don't take up these allowances. Right. How many people don't take it up? <laughs> well, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one in ten people in the UK with Parkinson's have, are claiming PIP. Right. Three in ten are claiming... One in ten? One in ten, yeah. That's, that's not it. many, is it? It's not many. I mean, three in ten, because of the age distribution, are, are claiming attendance allowance. Right. Yet 60% of people aren't claiming anything that's related to their Parkinson's, aren't claiming any benefit that's related to their Parkinson's. £665 of tax-free money and, and, and 6 out of 10 people are not getting it and not claiming it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of people, probably like you and I, we've only gone through this process recently um, and we could, we should have really started claiming this a few years ago. I think mm. there's a lot of people that have... Maybe it's a pride thing, I don't know. I mean, what, what stopped you from applying... You know, at least uh, two, three, four years ago. Well, I've never been on benefits in my life. I, I think when I left school, I, I had a few months when I, I got got the doll back then in, in the early eighties, whatever. Um, but it was just, it was just feeling, feeling. I didn't feel entitled to it, you know. 
It was, it was weird. But I, I, you I, are I, entitled to it. Exactly. You're, I, you're I, living with a degenerative chronic disease that's impacting your life and it's increasing the cost of living for you. Exactly. I, felt, I think I felt like a sponger, you know. Well, I mean, Crazy. you are, but that's another matter. <laughs> no, but it just, I just felt guilty about doing it. It was just yeah. ridiculous. I paid loads of tax over the years. Yeah, you're uh, still paying some of it, aren't yeah, you? Exactly, yeah, exactly. It feels weird when you haven't been on benefits it, before. It, it does. And, and, and um, same, same, to, same for me. Dave, Dave and I have only just gone through the pit process ourselves. And I, same barrier to me. I just didn't feel right. There's something about... Something in, in my mentality that said, you know, I, I, you know, I've never claimed a benefit before. I've always been a sort of a giver rather than a taker in the sense that I've earned my money, I've paid my taxes, and, and that's it. And I always thought that people were more deserving of, of, of benefits than me. Things have changed now. You know, obviously my condition has progressed. I've, I've, I've stopped work partly because of that or mainly because of that. Um, but at the same time, my, my cost of living has gone up. So uh, getting a little support for that. I think um, you know I'm justified in doing that, but uh, it takes takes a bit of a mindset change to, to get to that position. Big time, yeah. Let's hear from Laurel because Laurel has gone through this process recently. She can give us a bit more information. Um, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's on the 20th of March, 2014, and I had a very good initial response to Cinemet. Um, uh, the back pain I was experiencing when I got up in the morning and um, the tiny hand writing, uh, suddenly I could write better again. I was able to clean my teeth, um, my fine motor skills improved. And I really did quite well uh, in terms of symptoms for the first few years. Um, but by 2020, I was things had progressed a little bit. Um, I was entering the early complex phase and uh, my nurse added in things like a slow release cinemet overnight because I couldn't sleep well, I couldn't get comfortable because of my motor symptoms and um, resagilin, she added that too. And I started to um, experience off periods uh, so that um, at certain times of day I could uh, function normally but then I'd gradually start going off and then I needed to just sit still and do very little for a bit until my next dose and uh, until it started working and I could function again. And so for that reason, because it was interfering with everyday life and I couldn't perform, perform daily tasks easily anymore, uh, I decided to apply for PIP, personal independence payment. And that made, that made me have to face up to to you know the, the present and the future and it was a really difficult thing it was a dear, really difficult process to go through um, because normally I take the um, that I can still do this stuff approach and if I exercise and keep moving and socialize and eat well and do all the, the things that they tell you you know is a good way to try and lead life with Parkinson's then uh, you know I, I, I hope to continue to be as independent I can as I can for as long as possible but I know the reality is that more dopamine cells are dying all the time in my brain and uh, there's less of them for the medication to act on and that's why I'm getting the off periods and um, things will most likely gradually go downhill as time progresses. So when I went through the um, application process for PIP I was having to think all the time about what I could no longer do rather than what I could do. 
And it was a very depressing process. Um, took me a couple of weeks to fill in the, the form online because my typing skills are, are not what they were. And I all the time have to go and back and correct what I've, what I've typed in. Um, and I had to think through, you know, how, how I was affected on things, mostly daily living skills and things like preparing food, um, how I can eat and drink, how I can manage my meds, if, you know, personal um, care. And it also brought home to me the fact that I had to choose my moments. You know, my days now are governed by the on times and the off times. So I have to plan my day according to when I know I'll be able to, if you like, you know, act like a, a normal person and, and do things like do opposite or buttons easily, um, wash my hair, um, just sit, get up and down out of a chair easily rather than struggling. And I have to take note of those times uh, and know when I'm not going to be able to just get on with life. And that, that's a hard thing to, you know, that when it comes home to you, that that is your life now. And uh, it's probably going to get worse as time goes on. So um, actually filling, filling in the form was quite a depressing process. Uh, and then preparing for and attending the interview was even worse. Simply because rather than, the, you know, turning up as I normally do for my nurse or my neurologist when I'm trying to present my best self um, and when they say how are you I do the usual British things I'm fine thanks how are you um, I'm not fine really uh, and when I go and see them I should be telling them that I'm not fine and and telling them about you know the problems I'm having so that they can help me get over them um, but that's not how I generally want to present myself and therefore having to go and talk to a complete stranger and answer their questions about what I can't do and why I can't do it, and, and how I get over the problems, and who has to help me, you know, really made me think about the fact that often now I can't cut up meat, I can't chop vegetables safely, um, I can't put things in and out of the oven and the microwave without spilling them, um, I can't clean up in the evening, I can't wash, you know, can't scour saucepans, there's absolutely no power in my hands, I can't... Um, shower my you know wash my hair late in the day because I can't get my arms comfortably above my head um I can't dress myself in in, in any sensible amount of time it, it takes forever uh, you know just to sort of put layers of clothing on put my shoes and socks on so it was it was quite a salutary experience and it lasted long beyond the interview itself I, it, I just kept going over and over it in my head and feeling like a victim and feeling sorry for myself, which, which was stupid really, because it is a fluctuating condition and I know I'm not like that all day. Um, and I know that, um, you know, for the moment, at least for, part, for you know, parts of the day, I can carry on as normal. I have to conserve my energy. Um, I can't be active and busy and do everything I would do if I hadn't got Parkinson's as, as I'd wish. But if I plan carefully, um, you know, I, I, I can still go out um, and mix with people and, and enjoy um, socialising with people and, you know, do my own shopping, visit with my family and, um, and life's okay, life's good.
but um, yeah, applying for PIP just brings it home to you um, what you can't do, and uh, that's not a pretty picture. Thanks, Laura. Really fascinating that, and she she really feels like she's been dragged through the mud trying to get PIP. It, it's it, it can be a really brutal process, can't it? Yeah, I mean, just listening to that, I mean, it it, it makes me both sad and angry at the same time that people like Laurel have to go through this process. I mean, just a few of the words that she used there, a victim, felt ashamed. Uh, she felt the process itself um, was depressing. She was embarrassed. Uh, she felt sorry for herself. It made her focus on the things that she can't do. I mean, a process that's designed to, to help you is it, actually bringing you down. That that just can't be right. And you and I have been through this process uh recently and, and you did yours just before me and uh, that was the thing that you said to me right it was just so depressing go, filling out that application form well I, I've had Parkinson's for, for nearly 12 years now and I, I didn't claim it I knew it existed but I didn't claim it because I thought I don't need it and, and with price of living and everything getting more expensive I thought there's, there's a chance here to get up to £665 a month tax-free cash I'd be stupid to do it to, not to do it but it re- really Filling in the form, I was I was really down for two or three days afterwards. Yeah, it, it was really hard. You have to say the worst things about it, you know. Mm. You can't like Laurel was saying there. You can't mm. get your food, toilet habits, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it, it's it, you go to some really dark places. And I tried to stay positive with Parkinson's all the time, but that really got to me. And it was I found it really hard. And three months later, I still haven't heard. I'm still waiting for for, for find out whether we got it or not. I'll probably have to have, have an interview. And I hear about people going to interviews not taking the meds because they want they want to be at the worst when they get there, which is it's really sad, isn't it? It's just wrong. It's just wrong. I mean, I did mine after yours, and you sent me yours just to, to give me some context, and I found it depressing just reading about your, your your daily experience. But it also made me think about how how much of an impact the condition is 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 having on me. You know, whether it's food preparation, whether it's my sort of uh, getting ready routine in the morning, uh, w- whatever it is, you know, my mobility, my mobility, my ability to go travel certain distances, and putting it all down on a, on an application form that's several pages long in your own language, in in your own way, and you having to think about it, it just it left me sad reading yours. And when I did mine, I equally I, I was just quite 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 emotional reading it back to myself. Anxiety is a big thing as well, you know. Sometimes you don't feel like going to the shops. Sometimes you feel terrible. Sometimes you can't. You order a takeaway because because you don't want to go to the shops. You haven't got any food in and things like that. You know, all that is is expense, and this helps a bit. It does. And actually, when I looked into the data, the the number one and two conditions in terms of the number of people claiming PIP today, if you look at across all conditions, is anxiety and depression, which is one of the they call it a symptom it's a it's almost a condition within a condition right yeah. and um you know we've got 40 of these <laughs> so by that token we, we should be able to apply 40 different times exactly yeah it's, it's great if you want to apply we, we urge you to apply for yes PIP because so many people aren't yeah. it's very simple just call this number 0800 917 2222 0800 917 2222 Sorry if you're in the States, whatever, listen to this. You can't apply for it, but just just in England, UK. Um, you ring up, they, they send you a form. You don't have to ask, answer any questions when you're on the, online or, or on the phone. They send you a form, you have to fill in the form, or, the, or, or they'll send you the link and, for and it. And it gets online. backdated from the, that point you register, exactly. doesn't it? As soon, as soon as you register, 
then then you you get the money. So yeah, uh, well, as long, so, as, long so, as you pass the test. Yeah, exactly. And the current lead time is about twenty weeks, which you know, it's a long time. But you know, it gets backdated from that first phone call that you made, as as, as Dave suggested. There's a lot of useful information on Parkinson's uh, UK website as well. Um, about how to complete the process. The advisor network at Parkinson's UK are great, great support in this and they can help you escalate if you have to, uh, if you have to appeal uh, subsequently. And um, yeah, this is a very much a UK thing and it must sound alien to other, others around the world that don't have the benefit of a, a welfare state that we have that, you know, I'm quite proud that we live in a country that provides us f- free, free healthcare, free social care, and helps us in the time of need. The, the the challenge now is is us. We need to take up these services and take up the things that that that, that we need, and not just the things that we want, but just the things that we need to help us with our daily lives. And benefits certainly fall into that category. The stigma it can be can be crippling. You know, I, I felt really the stigma for for me of claiming benefits after after having a very successful career was 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 hard. But I'm shaking it off. I've got Ryan O'Hyde now. I, I've played plenty of tax every years. I need, I need the money, so I'm going to take Swallow it. that pride. Swallow that pride um, and, and just do it. And also, by the same token, don't be daunted by the process as well. I, I get the feeling that people are put off by the process because they hear these horror stories. It, oh, my, my advice, and we've got a few tips here, but yeah. one of them is just, just be honest. Don't try to fake it. Just be honest. Be as thorough as possible. And um, it, it is a process, um, and and it's it's it, it, you can get quite emotional just going through the process, like Laurel was describing. But um, the more descriptive you can be, uh, particularly about how your day to day life looks, and you know, take a day as an example from from morning to, till night, and describe that day. I mean, you had a long section as to you know how you get ready in the morning, how you bathe, how you get, how you put your clothes on, and how you're having to get family members to help you with that. It's it's not it's not nice to recount that experience, but it it is important to convey it in this process, isn't it? I remember I remember once my fourteen year old son having to do my buttons upon my shirt, and it felt really bad at the mm. time. But I put that on my, put that on my form, and um, you know it's, it's it it can be humiliating writing it all down, but you've got to do it, and, and it's worth it in the long run. Yeah, um, a, a few other a few other tips as well. You know, d- don't get disillusioned if 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 um, as is quite common, you might get sort of rejected or whatever the word is um on your on your initial attempt but uh, most people that end up reapplying uh, or appealing um actually then go on to get the right assessment it's about 50 percent, isn't it yeah it's something like uh, something like that yeah what one, one or two people who, who who don't get who go on to appeal and appeal could be because you didn't get anything in the first place or it could be that you did, don't feel like you've got the right amount once they go on to appeal and this is what Parkinson's UK helpline can help you with this because they can help you champion the cause in your case. They, most people end up getting the, getting onto the right benefit level that they need. So so don't don't get disillusioned. Um, put down your neurologist, your GP, and your nurse's point of contact because as part of this process, they end up contacting them, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, and don't be worried about what they're going to say. Um, in my case, what I did, I just I just let those people know that I'm going to go, I'm going through this process in advance. So it doesn't come as a surprise, and they were all perfectly fine with it. You know, they 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 they, they know the process, and uh, I, I don't know exactly what they say as part of that as part of that process. But um, use them; they'll they'll be able to convey your condition in a way probably you're not um as healthcare professionals you know they're used to doing this sort of thing but remember you only see a neurologist once every nine months or whatever they they just get a snapshot you probably go to them like laurel was saying she wants to be at the best when she goes so everything's fine 
but they don't see you worse. So you can you can tell them how it is when you worst. You know, you, it's you, you can exactly, and and likewise in the in the if you do have an assessment, uh, whether it's in person or on the phone, off the back of your PIP application, which is quite common, an assessor might just see you at that time again. It might might think you're looking good, but just explain not only how you are now, but how you were an hour ago or two hours ago, because he or she won't be able to see that. So it's very important that you convey all of that. It fluctuates more than any other condition, doesn't it, Parkinson? Some, mean, sometimes you can't walk, sometimes you can't smile, sometimes you can't cut your food, other times you can walk for miles and you Yeah, fine. I mean, it, it's um, not only day to day, not only hour to hour, but I mean, I just feel like minute to minute yeah. now. It's, um, it, it changes, and I, I know it's a pain, but we have to explain that for people who aren't familiar with the condition. Just that number again, because I... I, I bugged you like mad to get pinned. He did. He, he was he's calling me every day. He started video calling me just to make sure I could actually show him that I was completing this process. And it took me the best part of a month. A, because, you know, the process is a bit complicated, but more so actually because I was just putting it off, to yeah. be honest with you. So um, the deadline was looming. I think it you was. Had to, had I did it on the last. The I had you did it the last minute, the last, last day. Last, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you know, for once, your your nagging paid off. So <laughs> I know exactly how Cassie feels. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Anything else you want to say when we're, we're talking this about this? Well, I, yeah, we're joking about it, but we're also serious about it as well. You know, there are there's one billion pounds worth of benefit allowance that people with Parkinson's are entitled to. That's not being claimed. So that's sixty percent of people that aren't claiming PIP or attendance allowance, for the reasons that we described—if it's pride or stigma or they're daunted by the process—that pot of money is there and it's available to you. You, your, your income is, has been cut short. Your, your cost of living has gone up. I know cost of living is in the news all the time, but for people with live, living with debilitating conditions like this, it's literally gone up for us. And we, we deserve this support. And my, my view is that everybody should be given something blanket by, by default as soon as they're diagnosed. But in the absence of that, you know, don't, don't, don't put it off. You know, apply, as, as pi, apply when you think is the, is, is the right time. It helps you stay mobile, Pip, because you, you can do classes, you can, do, you can go to appointments that you have to pay for, cleaning, shopping, things like that, all helps with this extra money yeah i mean uh, we always you know we were joking about earlier about yoga and tennis and things like this but this this costs us money it's not not particularly expensive but but it mounts up you know and particularly in current climates it's it's really important to sort of uh, maximize the amount of money coming in and, and reduce the amount going out yeah big time um we'd love you to rate the podcast because ratings really help us if you can give us a five star rating, that would be brilliant. If if you want to give us a one star, you do that. But five star rating would be fantastic. And um, just share the podcast with people as well, because the more listeners, the more we can carry on doing it. Yeah, we we. I mean, every, after every episode, we get some great feedback, and it's really heartwarming. And when we do things like this, you know, we were saying to us ourselves before the before we started recording this podcast that if just one person off the back of this starts thinking about their finances or goes on to claim a benefit, then I'll be happy with that, because you know. It, it, just, just hearing it from other people that have gone through the experience, I think it has a lot of value. Some other top tips as well. We've been doing spring cleans with our with our uh, with our um, finances. Subscription, subscription. Yeah. So we were subscribed to all sorts of things we didn't know. Stuff was coming out of our bank accounts. So you, you found about six, seven things you're paying ten quid a month for, and ridiculous. You didn't know what you were paying for. Yeah, it was silly. I mean, I, I was paying for Netflix subscription, and so was Helen, and we live in the same house. It was ridiculous. <laughs> we, I mean. Um, and think uh, the problem is in modern world when you've got all these micro subscriptions, particularly online and stuff, it's difficult to see where the m- money's going. So yeah, I mean, I, I try to go through a spring, spring clean and uh, cancel some of this stuff. And 
you know, that sounds easier said than done. And I know we're joking about this, but things like apathy stand in the way of doing that, that cleaning, as it were. So I know it's tough and to make lists and, and, and go through this, but, you know, d- don't, don't put it off um, because it just builds and builds. I was paying for McAfee um, software, virus software, on a computer I'd thrown away three years ago. I was paying sixty pounds a year for yeah, it. Yeah, and, and McAfee's for Windows, right? Yeah, you've got a Mac. A Mac, yeah. So I'm still paying it. <laughs> just, just stupid. stupid. Yeah. Another, another thing which might be of interest to you is, is critical illness cover. Mm. Some people have it as part of the, the the job, and if you got Parkinson's, critical illness cover pays. So you you had an experience of this, Kieran. You you lost a load of money. What? Yeah, I I, I feel silly uh, sort of thinking about this and, and recounting this story. I got diagnosed just as I was starting a new job. And um, I don't know if I realised at the time. I think I probably did, uh, but I didn't sort of investigate it. Um, I had a critical illness cover as part of one of the benefits of, of, of that job. And um, I looked into it years later. And if I claimed at the time, and it was too late by then, but if I claimed at the time, I could have got a one-off payment of £50,000. Well, Because that's what the Parkinson's was. That was the category they put it under. But either because I didn't want to look at it or I was just being lazy or maybe the apathy or... Well, you or keep, you're probably keeping your Parkinson's a secret. Yeah, I was, yeah. Maybe it was part of that as well. You know, I, I didn't want to admit it to myself or others, but that's cost me. That's cost me £50,000. Uh, so there's a, there's a lesson there. It's cost me as well. You could have bought a few beers with that for me. Oh, steady on, <laughs> steady on. But it's, it's been a bit, bit sort of... Um, Bit that, emotional, bit yeah. emotional, yeah. isn't it? So we need to cheer you up. So we've got our, our famous bit now. I love that jingle, brilliant. People with Parkinson's do amazing things. We celebrate an astronaut who went to space with Parkinson's. Michael R- Richard Clifford was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 1994 when he was 42 years old. Clifford went on three space shuttle missions, two of them after he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. He logged 665 hours in space, including a six-hour spacewalk. One of the first people to conduct a spacewalk while doctor and orbiting space station. So, top man. Literally out this world. Fantastic. Look, another one. Parkinson's Rock god and fellow Parky Ozzy Osbourne got his first number oh, one right. in Billboard's top uh, chart sales. His latest offering, patient number six, debuted at number one in the US. Congratulations to the Prince of Darnus. Brilliant. Is, isn't he like 20 years into Parkinson's as well? Yeah. That's that's really quite quite amazing. 20 years into Parkinson's. And you've got one. A guy you've been chatting to this week. Fantastic. Yeah, Enad. Enad Bach. Um, I've had the privilege of... Uh, well, I've, I've met a lot of amazing people in this community, and I'm sure you have as well, Dave, and I've heard some amazing stories. But Enad is, is a truly remarkable story. He, he was a... He was a singer, wasn't he, originally? Yeah, uh, but he, was, he sang with Pavarotti and things like that. He, he was one, one place in front of half a million people. Yeah, friends with Bono and yeah. Princess Di and things like this. Uh, amazing character. And um, he um, developed Parkinson's and it, it robbed him of his ability to play the guitar. Um, and then he, he took up ping pong. And ping pong is, is great for... Uh, Parkinson's, you know, we talked about the benefits of ball sports before, the, the, the balance, the coordination, you know, it helps with everything. And as a result of the, sort of the help that ping pong gave him, he was then able to go back and successfully play the guitar. And then off the back of that, he's he's recorded this wonderful song that, uh, 
even if you're not connected to Buggertons, it's one of those songs that just lifts your mood, right, Dave? Big time. We'll leave you there, Ned. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast, Two Bugs in a Pod. Subscribe if you can, race if you can, and we'll leave you there, Ned. See ya. Bye. I love ping pong. I love buns. I love the Three Stooges and those crazy drums. I like lovers who don't vote the same. And lying on my bed in the stars and the rain. Oh.